RTL Original Podcast. In today's episode of DNA Luxembourg Crime Podcast, we attempt to uncover the largest criminal chapter in Luxembourg's history, Bommelayer, also known as the Bomber's Affair. Twenty bomb attacks within 20 months between May of 1984 and March of 1986. The bombing of an electricity pylon in Beidweiler was the first of a string of attacks on infrastructure and public buildings in Luxembourg that made the entire country hold its breath. In the months that followed, further pylons were detonated in Itzig, Le Delange and Walferdange, all areas around the capital. But then the attacks started shifting in a different direction. What was once blowing up rural infrastructure became attacks that were terrifyingly close to hurting human life. A bomb blew up in the offices of the Gendarmerie in Bonnevoie in 1985. Several weeks later, on Duke's night, shortly after fireworks lit up the sky of the capital, a potentially large-scale and tragic disaster could be prevented when another bomb ignited a series of gas pipes in Hollerich. A fireball went rocketing into the sky. But the Bommelayer, presumably composed of a group of people, although no one was sure, had no reason to stop. Attacks followed in the city's casemates, a favoured tourist destination, as well as the newspaper offices of Luxembourg Wort in Gasparish. During the Schuberfeuer festivities, the police station at the Glacis was blown up. The glass roof of the Olympic swimming pool in Kirschberg was shattered. The Palace of Justice, along with radio equipment at Findel Airport, were targeted shortly before the European summit in Kirchberg was to take place in December of 1985, attracting heads of state from across Europe. With two explosions at private addresses four months later, including the homes of investigators on the case, the horror came to an end on the 25th of March 1986. This is the story of the Bommelayer, or the Bomb Planters, better known as the Bomber's Affair. Arguably the largest criminal chapter in Luxembourg's history, and since World War II the biggest threat to the capital. This episode will reveal the complexity of an investigation spanning several decades, a mystery still unsolved today. Some very uncomfortable accusations and theories came to see the light of day, involvement of secret service, and the likelihood of a mole inside the police force were much-discussed theories. Could there have been someone with insider knowledge that played a role on both sides? Police and the bomber allowing the criminals to always be a step ahead. Ransom letters were sent, money was demanded but never paid. Used in all of these attacks was the Luxembourg-made explosive Luxite. Nearly 500 kilos of the material was stolen from a factory, the total material damage added up to at least 5 million euros, and while there were no casualties, roughly six people were injured in all of the events combined. To this day, 
the biggest crime in Luxembourg history goes unsolved. And the more we discuss the events and the people involved, the more pieces of the puzzle we try to put together, the blurrier the overall picture seems to get. This case does not have a clear ending, and so I warn you in advance that things are about to get truly mind-boggling and complicated. This episode will have two parts. Part one covers the events in chronological order and what exactly occurred. Part two focuses on the investigation and the challenges ahead. We have a lot of questions to be answered. Welcome to DNA. The Bommelayer Affair. Where to begin? I think that many of our listeners will have heard of the word Bommelayer before, and possibly even have a vague understanding of what went down. But in this podcast, we're going to take things right from the top. Truth be told, as mentioned in the introduction, it's a very complex case with hundreds of people involved across the political sphere, law enforcement, the Justice Department, and, at some point, possibly even the royal family. The Bommelayer affair was not a single incident, but involved over 20 attacks. Let us start by unpacking the events in chronological order and try to connect the dots. Now, don't worry if these events are too many to remember. I, I don't expect you to listen with a pen and piece of paper in hand ready to jot down every date. But maybe you, our DNA audience, can already spot something in this summary that investigators may have missed along the way. The first explosions occur on the 30th of May and the 2nd of June of 1984 in Beidweiler, a village in the commune of Junglingster, where two electricity pylons are blown up, belonging to the company Sigedel, also known as the Grand Ducal Electricity Company of Luxembourg, the national electricity provider. At first, the explosions seem like a serious act of vandalism, as no other incidents take place following these two attacks for nearly a year, and investigators would only realise later that this event acted somewhat as a tryout, in quotation marks, for the group of criminals to see whether their plan would work. So, Monday the 29th of April 1985 comes along. In the offices of Sigedel, board members stare at a sheet of paper written in the form of a telegram. The text is in English, and it says the following. Saturday, the 27th of April, at 11.45pm, we destroyed two power lines. Here's the deal. You pay us $250,000. In return, we'll stop destroying power lines. Indeed, on Saturday, two pylons were blown up in Beidweiler and Wolferdange. And to start the negotiations, the bombers ordered Sigedel to place an ad in the Luxembourg Award newspaper on both Friday the 10th and Saturday the 11th of May. The ad was supposed to state the following text. Black Clover with sailing ship wanted. Very vague and mysterious. The letter also states that no information will be given to the gendarmerie. Betrayal will be punished. The 
The board of the Cigadelle takes the note to law enforcement and it is quietly escalated. One week later, on the 7th of May, the government and the gendarmerie secretly agree in a meeting that no ransom money would be paid. No statement is made towards the press. The decision is completely confidential. But then miraculously, five hours after the decision is taken in private, another pylon in Le Delange crashes to the ground. This is a big one. The 54-metre-tall structure pulls down three other masts with it, with one falling onto the motorway. Five people are injured. The second ransom note follows suit. We reminded you of our deal on Tuesday the 7th of May at 11pm. Since we hope that you agree, we would like to point out that the $250,000 must be made available to us by Monday the 23rd of May at the latest. The transfer of the money will take place during that week which is Pope Week. This is the first time the potential involvement of a mole becomes a theory to be taken seriously, because how else could the Bommelaire have known about the decision taken by the government and the gendarmerie not to pay the ransom fee? But this time the Cigadelle agrees to the group or individual's demands. We do not yet know the composition of the Bommelaire. The ad is placed in the Luxembourger Wort, a third ransom note provides instructions for the transfer of money, titled Operation Artibali. The letter states the following. On Wednesday the 15th of May, one competent person of your choice must drive from Luxembourg to the railway station in Clairvaux. Note here, and this is my side comment, that the authors had spelled railway station as one word, maybe a clue that the author was not a native English speaker. The letter continues... This person takes along the two bags containing $125,000 each. Police send up an individual to the location, although it is unclear whether they actually brought the cash along or just bags filled with something else to make it seem like they were paying up. And upon arrival at the railway station in Clairvaux, the person enters the public telephone box in front of the Banque Internationale de Luxembourg, the bill, where the individual finds the next letter the bottom right-hand corner of the booth. Outside, the gendarmerie keeps an eye on the phone booth all day long, but nothing happens. No one is picking up the bags. No one is entering the phone booth or acting suspiciously around the area. It seems like the criminals are aware of the police presence. What it's fair to say, the Bommelaire were not satisfied with this behaviour. On the 25th of May, 1985, ten days after the phone booth situation, the gendarmerie office in Luxembourg City is attacked. A bomb is placed under the desk of the two officers working on the case, Paul Hahn and Jean Luch. How could criminals have even known that these two men are working on their case? But still, the topic of an inside job remains absolute taboo. At 11.45pm on the 28th of May, another electricity pylon is blown up in Itzik. This pylon carries electricity to the company Dupont de Nemours, a chemicals company. The masts are actually all numbered apart from one, which is the one that happens to be blown up. And then in a field 70 meters further away, a second bomb explodes. Soon after comes letter number four, stating the following. On Monday, April 29th at 10.30am, you took the risk of informing the gendarmerie about our deal hoping they would catch us at the money transfer. They are worse than scout cubs. The simulated handover was just a game. 
and it says Operation Artabili equals Operation Betrayal. We hope they enjoyed their visit to Clairvaux. Now this is a very cheeky move here. So Artabili is betrayal if you move the letters into the correct order, what is also called an anagram. Now, Gendarmerie Captain Pierre Royland is clearly not amused when Paul Hahn, the first officer on the case, cautiously suggests to him that there is the possibility of an inside job. It's an option that should be considered. Hahn is dismissed immediately. This is confusing and rather suspicious behaviour coming from Gendarmerie Captain Royland, who clearly believes the topic is off-limits. And we will hear more about Royland later. Also interesting to note is a moment in the investigation later on when Luxembourg State Security ask FBI profilers to draw up a psychological profile of the bomber layer. And at that moment, everyone assumes it is one individual. But the FBI laugh at the idea of one perpetrator and suggest searching rather in paramilitary circles. But strangely enough, this report does not see the light of day until 20 years later. Royland was the one who covered up the FBI report. It would not emerge until 2005, when it is dug up, by chance, during a house search. Now, let's continue. On the 11th of June, 1985, the by now fifth ransom letter sent by the criminal masterminds, demands 75,000 US dollars. The transaction, the note states, should occur on the same day on the second underground parking level of the parking garage on Place de Théâtre. The gendarmerie sends a courier with a suitcase and a transmitter at 2.30pm. On the second underground parking floor, the courier is directed to level minus 5, where he is supposed to drop the suitcase in a container filled with sand. The gendarmerie is taking no risks, however, and has 100 units, including the mobile brigade, a special operations unit, the drug unit and the German police hidden all over the parking garage, ready for action. But nothing happens. The following day, the criminals send another note to police, underlining that for their part they did not adhere to the deal and that there was too much police presence. Now what you're about to hear will blow your mind. The list sent by the criminals includes the names of all the officers that were present during the operation. Police are completely baffled and double-check the names with their actual mission report and it turns out all the details are correct. So how on earth could there not have been a mole? On the 23rd of June 1985, shortly after the annual fireworks of Duke's Night, a huge fireball lights up the sky. The gas plant in Hollerish is blown up, but emergency services manage to isolate the incident and prevent any further disaster. The bomber layer created their own fireworks. Two weeks later, on the 5th of July 1985, dynamite, presumably stolen from the quarry in Wasserbillig, is found in Asselscheuer, Lorenzweiler, just outside a security perimeter. This is the first time that there are potential witnesses. Two Belgian tourists believed to have seen four individuals digging holes to plant the dynamite, 
Would anyone have stepped on them, they would have lost a leg or been killed. On the 26th of July 1985, the offices of Luxembourger Wort are attacked. On the 28th of August, two bombs go up inside the Glacis police station near the Schuberfeuer festivities. And on the 30th of September, the day that Colonel Wagner, the head of the Gendarmerie, goes with pension, the glass roof of the Olympic swimming pool at the Koch Kirschberg is shattered. The Palace of Justice is attacked next, on the 19th of October 1985, underneath the window of the public prosecutor Jaeger. He is known to insiders as the deputy prosecutor on this case, which again had not been announced publicly. Three minutes after the last flight departs at Findel Airport on the 9th of November 1985, a bomb explodes at the airport blowing up the radar equipment. The site is scarcely protected as most units are in Kirchberg for the European Council. The damage adds up to 2 million euros. While there were no direct witnesses, there were suspects seen driving along the American cemetery shortly before the explosion outside the perimeter of the airport. One person witnessed two men crossing the road heading into the forest. A flashlight that's lying close to the bomb explosion site explodes the following day. As all attention is focused on the poor protection of the airport, the gendarmerie pumps more money into security, a total of 1.6 million Luxembourgish francs between 1985 to 1990. Another electricity pylon in Heisdorf is blown up on the 30th of November 1985. Then on the 2nd of December, during the European Council, a car bomb goes off on the motorway. 200 police units respond to the scene. The motorway was not closed off prior to the summit. A bomb explodes on the 17th of February 1986 at notary Helling's home. It doesn't really fit in the series, but the luxite used in the attack proves it's from the same group. Now, to the final date. On the 25th of March 1986, the bomb cycle ends with an explosion at the house of Colonel Wagner, the previous head of the Gendarmerie. Note number eight follows, and it states, Money doesn't solve all problems. Go on losing. It sounds like the announcement of a new series of attacks, but the terror ends here. After two years, the series of bomb explosions finally stop. Luckily, the damage is limited to being material only. Some of the explosions, such as the one in the swimming pool or at the airport, were calculated and timed in such a way that no humans were injured. But what was the group's motivation? Who was behind all of these acts? The Bommelayer affair would go down as being Luxembourg's biggest criminal chapter in history, but the investigation tumbled into an endless spiral of interrogations, confusing witness statements, lost evidence, court hearings, covered-up reports and more. Coming up next week in part two, the investigation into the Bommelayer affair begins. Mm -hmm.